Hey there, everybody. It's AJ with Outdoors Podcast. Welcome back to another video. And today is a really special one. Today is going to be my very first video episode of the podcast. And joining me, I can't think of a better guest, is Adam Hudson from Blue Line Co. Flies. Adam grew up bass fishing in the south of the United States. And thanks to an uncle on a family trip, converted pretty quickly over to fly fishing. He started tying his own flies. And after a career and a couple of other industries started tying commercially and is now selling them through their online shop. Uh, Blue Line Fly Co., if you haven't been following them on YouTube, you've pretty much been living under a rock. They're really pretty famous on YouTube, and Adam is just an absolutely incredibly fun personality to talk to. So let's get into this episode. I know I had a ton of fun. I know you will too. All right, Adam, we are live. So uh, for those of you that are just now joining us, Adam and I already started this podcast once. Uh, Adam gave me a great response to my first question and we couldn't hear each other. So we're basically <laughs> starting this over again. Uh, the nice thing is about working with other folks that are in the creative space that are doing podcasts and videos and YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, I think we all have a little bit of sympathy for each other because I'm sure we've all had hardware and software breakdowns galore that we you know can tell stories for for days. So uh, Adam Hudson from Blue Line Co. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Super pumped to have you. Uh, you know, yeah, many of us it. discovered you through YouTube, and then we've just kind of continued to follow you along and are really interested. You know, I got really interested because you've essentially figured out how to, you know, make a full time job out of the outdoor industry and, and how to kind of participate in the things that you love as a professional. So I want to kind of dig into that, talk about the genesis of the company and your background and your history. So let's kind of start from the beginning. How did you sure. get into fishing? Was this a, a was this a family pursuit in in the southeast? Yeah, so I grew up in North Alabama, and uh, as you can kind of imagine, uh, I mean, bass is king down there. Uh, conventional, you know, bass tournaments, uh, you know, like the BASS tour and all that. They always are fishing in North Alabama for. We've got some really famous uh, largemouth bass uh, fishing lakes in the area, and uh, so I grew up on one of those lakes, and also also kind of grew up on a tributary to that same lake. And uh, if uh, if you guys were, you know, kind of followed the BASS tournament, you'd know it. And, uh, anyways, it's, it, it, most people were conventional fishing. A lot of people that I knew were big into tournament fishing or bass fishing. And, you know, that was big. I used to do that a little bit, tried it some, and I, I just didn't, unless I was like catching, catching a fish and actually reeling in a fish, I was kind of bored with it. So, um, didn't uh didn't really pick that up very good but we were uh i was up in the smoky mountains with uh we, we used to take family vacations up there a lot and uh one trip my uncle came with us and he brought a fly rod and i'd never really seen people fly fish before that was pretty new to me um and i was like dang i've got to figure out how to I've got to start doing that. And, uh, I'd kind of gotten a little bit of my groove anyways. I started going to, uh, one of those tributary rivers by my house quite a bit. And, uh, I was conventional fishing them. Uh, but I just loved walking around in the river waiting, you know, it wasn't super hot on a boat. It was just a fun thing to do in the summer. And, uh, you know, I was catching a lot of brim. I didn't know much about what I was doing. Um, and I didn't have really many people to teach me about how to fish a river. Most people that I, you know, knew grew up fishing lakes. And, uh, 
started fishing the river, started having some success. And every once in a while, I would catch like a, a bass while I was on the river. And I was like, dang, this is, this is totally different. This is like, I need to figure out how to keep doing this. This, there has to be a good way to make, to actually figure out how to catch more of these. Even a and, small, small mouth bass hits like a tank. I mean, it's yeah. not like catching a trout. It's not like catching <laughs> a lot of other things. And, you know, if you haven't experienced it, you need to, cause it's, it's a unique fish to, to go after. So I totally get it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was using a little ultralight spinning reel and, you know, stuff my dad kind of set me up with. And so, you know, I didn't, again, didn't know a lot about this. So started fly. And I, so river to river in North Alabama to river in the Smokies, I'm seeing my uncle fishing and he's like, you know, handing me the rod. He kind of showed me how to cast a little bit. And I was like, holy crap, why am I not doing this at home? Like, dad, what have you been holding out on me here? Why are we not doing this? Cause this is, this is awesome. We need to do more of this. So, I didn't grow up in a place that had people fishing. I didn't grow up with YouTube and the internet like people have now for, you know, how to, how to, how to do anything. You know, you couldn't search that stuff. You just had to go ask your granddad who knew yeah. a little bit about it or your dad or whatever. And, uh, so I got my, my parents were extremely supportive. They got me my first fly rod kit. Um, you know, it's better than, you know, doing drugs or whatever, whatever else you can get into. Whenever I come home from the fly shop with a new purchase, I always tell my wife, I'm like, babe, I don't have a cocaine problem. Listen. I don't have a muscle car or a, a exotic car problem. I don't have a bunch of boats that I'm just dumping money into. Like there's way worse problems that I yeah, could be. There's way know, worse addictions than this. So they were like, they were extremely supportive of it. Got, you know, they got me a fly rod stuff. So then going from the Smokies, seeing, you know, I, of course I didn't catch a trout, but, but I didn't care. I wanted to take that fly rod and go do what I knew how to do and started catching those brim on the fly rod, started catching. And that, that was pretty big. I mean, you know, people used the long rods would, you know, that was fly fishing for, you know, the, uh, like, that's what my granddad would call them. The long yeah. rod. They'd, they'd use the long rods and catch brim and cr little, you know, pan fish, whatever you guys call them. And, uh, so I, there was a little bit of information I could get out of my granddad, stuff like that, about how to do that. Had my dad, like, you know, teach me how to tie some of the knots that I needed to know. And the whole leader thing was really difficult back then because it wasn't, none of it was loop to loop. It was all, you know, you had to do the nail knot to the fly line, to the leader. And as a, as a very young kid, that messed me up pretty bad. So for a novice, for someone coming into fly fishing, understanding the leaders, the tippet, the lines, and like how the numbers interact with each other going from big to small and where you use those different applications is like one of those vocabulary things that just takes yes. a while. Like you just, it just kind of takes a little bit and then eventually it all just kind of clicks and makes sense. But yeah. if it wasn't as simple as like, Hey, you just go, you buy a furled leader, it's already tapered and ready to go or, you know, yeah. whatever tied on like, yeah, that's a whole bigger learning process. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I don't, I, I kind of feel like I'm maybe aging myself a touch, but it was, it was hard back in the day <laughs> to tie, you know, you had to know a lot more knots than you do today, uh, yeah. which is, which is great. But uh, anyway, so I was having my dad kind of help me out with that. And then I'd go down there on the river and same kind of stuff. All of a sudden I'd accidentally catch one of these small mouth or potentially small, large mouth. And uh, I was like, Oh crap, I've got to figure out how to do more of this. And you know, when I was eight years old, it was random, right? But I, I knew it couldn't have, I, I knew you could, uh, there was some way to figure out how to do it. I just yeah. didn't know how to do it. Um, to me, it was seemingly random. And I was like, dang, I've got to figure that out. And 
I guess when I was somewhere around eight years old, standing in the middle of a river after catching a smallmouth once, it kind of changed my life because I was like, dang, all right, I'm going to figure out how to do this and haven't stopped trying to figure that out. <laughs> and, and were there enough people kind of around you at the time that had experience? Like it sounds like your uncle was kind of your, you know, your entry point into it. Were there, a, was there a community in your area that were doing some fly fishing that you could kind of learn from and grow from? Or was it basically just like kind of learn on your own and figure it out as you go? Yeah, that didn't exist. Still doesn't. Uh, it's figured out yourself where, where yeah. I'm from. <laughs> There's starting to get a little community in Alabama, not really as much North Alabama. It's more middle, has some more fly fishing stuff and some cool stuff going on. Uh, North Alabama still doesn't have hardly anything for you. Uh, but it was very much so figure, you know, figure this out yourself there. You know, it, my dad knew a little bit. My granddad knew a little bit. Most of my fly fishing experience came from talking to the bass guys because again it's like it's i mean it would literally with like bass fishing with conventional tackle it would be like going and walking around bozeman right the amount of the amount of knowledge that you could just get from people you knew stores places whatever that was conventional bass fishing where i was from um so that's also how i got into fly tying was because all what I try, what I was trying to figure out, of course, I was flipping through the Cabela's catalog, looking at flies and I was like, well, hell, none of this stuff is anything remotely close to the swim baits or the jerk baits or the little jig things that my dad, you know, I would go to my dad and be like, okay, I want to catch more of these bass, but I want to do cast on a fly rod. How do we do that? And he was like, well, I don't know. Well, here I'm using this. This is, this is what the bass are that I'm catching or eating. Yeah. I was like, okay. Well, I got to figure out how to throw that on a fly rod. I, of course, didn't. I mean, I didn't know about like different weights of fly rods, different lines and all that stuff. I was like, okay, I tied it onto my rod and I was like, well, hell, this doesn't work. (laughs) So we got to figure something else out here. And uh, so anyways, that's when I started tying flies. I started tying flies when I was 10. And um, I just kind of kept going down that road because I was like, there has to be some way that we can figure this out. Like this isn't. Uh, it's not rocket science, right? So I spent enough time cast trying to figure out how to cast those big flies that I guess eventually I just kind of figured out how to cast a fly rod. Um, I never had any training, which I'm sure shows in a lot of the videos, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm a pretty good caster nowadays. I feel like that at least just cause I do it enough, but um, you know, yeah, just, I, I wanted I wanted it bad enough that I spent the time to figure out how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, so, and I was started when I was ten, so I had the time to figure. Yeah, it out. Yeah, one so. one of the questions, you know, I've got this little club of uh, fly fishermen uh, that you know, just friends of ours that kind of basically all decided, hey, let's have a fly fishing club. And shout out to the Jeffersons, by the way. Um, and one of those dudes is fr- kind of from the Atlanta area, like about I think an hour north of Atlanta, if memory serves me correctly, Michael. Mm-hmm. And uh, grew up a traditional like a gear fisherman, and still enjoys you know fishing on gear. And I've got you know nothing against anybody that likes to fish on gear that's totally cool like however you enjoy the outdoors as long as you're doing it ethically and taking care of the resource like i'm all for it um and you know our our other friend ed like same thing kind of a background in more traditional gear fishing and those guys really have a lot of intelligence like a lot of knowledge of different waterways and different techniques and they've kind of seen the whole spectrum of it where my buddy frank and i haven't done as much traditional fishing it's been more kind of fly rod stuff uh and so we're just you know it's not as 
holistic of kind of a, a knowledge of the species and the different waterways and the, the ways to go about it. Um, you know, but that, that group really gets into tying. And one of the things that, you know, we were talking about, I, I was telling him like, Hey man, Adam from Blue Line's coming on the podcast is going to be freaking great. Uh, you know, do you guys have any questions? And one of the things that we all kind of noticed is what we've seen of you online. You seem to be a really like community kind of go out with your friends. We rarely see you fishing on your own, right? It's normally kind of with a group of friends, whichever way we see you online. Um, how much of when you were fishing when you were young, was it a solo mission? And how much of it was going out with buddies, friends, stuff like that? Did you pretty much do this on your own until you kind of found the dudes or, or you know, were you doing it mainly socially when you were younger too? Uh, fish with my dad a lot. Um, but we also lived really close to the river and, you know, my mom, I remember my mom would want to get rid of me for the day, which that definitely checks out. She'd be like, Hey, well, here you go, go play in the river. You know, it was a different time back then in the late 1900s. Yeah. You could just drop your kids off at a park, I guess, and, you know, come pick them up at dark. And, uh, so yeah, I, I did a lot of that. Um, also if you've watched the videos, you've probably seen Steven or hobo Steve as, as we call him in the videos. Yeah. Uh, so he and I've been friends for a very long time. Uh, pretty much Saturdays in the summer we would, he was either at my house cause we could get to the river from my house or he lived probably, ooh, probably like 45 river miles up river of where I lived. Gotcha. Same river though. And, uh, it was essentially in his backyard. So my mom would drop us, me off at his house. We would go down there and fish. He, we had a couple other friends that were interested in fishing, like to fish that, you know, maybe didn't, they didn't fly fish, but they were using ultralights. We just had the fly gear and I wanted to fly fish with it because it was more fun and I'd fly fish and, you know, we could every once in a while, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We'd throw, I'd, th I, I would throw bait cast stuff on my fly rod if I could, sure. you know, whatever we were, um, but yeah, I mean, I we were some spoons on a fly I, rod. I, I learned a lot of it solo bass ponds and little stuff by my house that I could get too easy, but then also, you know, started fishing with other people. And I think it's more fun when you go with other folks that you, that you know, or you have around and it's hard. It uh, certainly, I know a lot of people ask like, how do you get a community of people to go or whatever? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that. But, Invite some friends and yeah, like, get, get some of your friends into it, get some of your friends interested in it, take them fishing. I mean, if, if, if you get your buddy to catch a, even a little brim on a, on your little trout five weight, like maybe he's going to get hooked and you've got a fishing friend out of it. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I, I really do enjoy the community and the, the social aspect of it. Um, and definitely, you know, I don't know. I think it was, uh, Joan Wolf, like w way back in the day talking about like the different tiers of fly fishermen and the different, you know, levels. And I think she said there were like 10 levels. Someone on the internet's going to correct me on all this, but, um, <laughs> I think she said there were like 10 levels of fly fishing and, you know, starting out like wanting to catch a fish is like, you know, level one. And then by the time you're at level 10, it's like being just as happy for someone else catching a fish as you would be catching it yourself. And I, I found that I started to progress kind of up that ladder a little bit. I, it was a long time. I was already up a couple rungs up by the time I ever saw her, you know, written out stuff about it. But, um, I started really enjoying watching people, other people catch fish and, uh, starting helping people, other, other people to catch fish. And 
that kind of thing. So started started out pretty early down that path and just kind of kept going, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that it is it's always fun to, you know, we, we fish. Uh, St. Louis has this really great thing called the Urban Fish Stocking Program. And so the hatcheries around Missouri basically put trout in a bunch of urban lakes that are connected to city parks and stuff like that so that people that don't have a lot of access to get out into the country and go explore the rivers like still have an opportunity to fish for trout and have that experience. And uh, the reasons we're called the Jefferson's Fishing Club is because we all kind of hang out and meet at this giant, you know, area to fish. And uh, it's called Jefferson Lake. And so we uh, we were out there fishing one day and this older woman comes walking by and starts talking to us. And I was like, come down here, grab the, you know, take this, start moving it like that. You know, just don't try to this or anything, just single hand, grab the pinch the line. And she had a blast for like five minutes, just really enjoyed it. And that woman would have never, ever held a fly rod otherwise. And it was a really rewarding experience. Like she had a ton of fun and it was really, really cool to kind of have that little exchange. Her name was Tanya. That's the last time I'm ever going to see her in her entire (laughs) life. Uh, But it was super fun. And I'll tell you, you know, I got really lucky. There's a a fly shop in St. Louis called T. Hargrove Fly Shop. And there's two fly shops. Feathercraft is actually headquartered in St. Louis. uh, And about a mile down the road is T. Hargrove. And T. Hargrove is really known as this welcoming environment. There's a bottle of whiskey by the coffee urn and plenty of beer in the fridge in the back and, you know, chili on the the wood burning stove and that whole thing. Uh, It's like a caricature of a fly shop in the Midwest. It's really kind of weird. But they're really great about like bringing people in and say, hey, come to fly tying class. It's it's a great way to kind of learn and meet other people and they'll connect you with other people. There's dudes that go up there on, on, you know, a night of the week and basically drink beer in the parking lot and just hang out and tell fishing stories. Uh, It's a really cool way that I got kind of sucked into it because I'm a really social dude when it comes to my outdoor activities. And if I was just out there doing it on my own, I don't think I would have lasted very long. So I was just kind of curious. So you kind of touched on the fact that that's what got you into fly tying. And obviously that's the, you know, the, the, the whole basis of your company, blue fly, you know, or blue line flies. Um, how did you go from, all right, I'm tying flies as a necessity for myself to, I can do this as a profession. This is going to be my, you know, my thing moving forward. And this is what I'm going to dedicate at least this part of my career to. How did you kind of get over that hump? Because I know a lot of people out there are really talented fly tires, but don't make a job of it. Sure. Um, man, it's uh, yeah, it's a really weird it's a really weird transition, I guess, to go from, you know, tying your own stuff to, you know, trying to sell as many flies as we can now. Yeah. Um I started because you couldn't buy a lot of the flies that I was tying. Um, Even still, I mean, even still today, if you go in your local fly shops, a lot of what they're going to have is not something that I would like to throw for a small mouth. Even what they may have may not be my exact best option for trout either. Um, As streamer wise, I feel like the streamer game is so far behind like dry flies or nymphs or whatever that, it or even you know saltwater and crab stuff is 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 even a little higher up on the on the list than bass flies uh, because even still today if you go purchase like uh, say X companies or get X companies catalog their dry fly section would be like this thick their nymph section would be this thick their streamer section would be like this thick maybe and their bass section would be like a page and a half of poppers and you're like well. I don't want to fish poppers. That doesn't really work where I grew up and where I live. Um, It's cool when it does. Don't get me wrong. But 
you know, they, a lot of companies still today are not making flies for bass fishing. And I also think that a lot of our bass flies that are a lot of our predator flies, like our bass flies, just so happen to work really great for trout too. Um, and that's kind of how it got, got started because most companies weren't selling what we could get, what, what I could tie. And, uh, kind of got going with blue line just to the fact like, well, there's a huge hole in this market. Why don't we fill it with us? And that's kind of how we got going, kind of got some of our patterns made and started, started retailing them to people, seeing how it was going, see, you know, having started getting a little bit of traction, like, Oh dang. Yeah. I want some of those flies. Yeah. I, you know, friends of friends, friends of friends kind of started getting out from North Alabama into, you know, towards that Atlanta area. We got kind of big over there a while ago. Um, and there's kind of just kept growing in the Southeast. More and more people started hearing about us, I guess, word of mouth and kind of, I, I, I assume that's how it happened, but yeah, just I feel like we started creating quality products and word of mouth got out that, hey, yeah, these guys sell flies specifically for bass. That's obviously, you know, that's our bread and butter. Um, I do love to trout fish. I love streamer fishing with with a fly rod, which is essentially just smallmouth fishing, but you're catching brown trout instead of smallmouth. So it's still yeah. cool. Um, so we started, you know, trout fishing using all of our flies and techniques. And I was like. Oh, the brown trout are just smallmouth. They just live in different rivers. Oh, that's cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll start doing that. That's fine. Smallmouth still fight better than brown trout do. My two cents. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, you know we then we started started kind of expanding into trout fishing. Trout fishing still a ton of fun. I love doing it, and uh, started developing the same kind of stuff. We started seeing that there weren't a lot of the flies that were specifically made even for trout streamers were like, weren't a lot of the stuff that we really wanted to throw. They weren't either. They didn't, I felt like they didn't have the right hooks. They didn't have the right movement, the right sizing, the right colors. There was, some, there was always one or two pieces missing out of a lot of the flies that I was buying from a shop. So figured out again, we got, we, you know, we kind of started growing from the bass stuff and now we're kind of growing into the trout stuff using a lot of the same, applications there and i guess still just word of mouth people saying dang these are good flies we'll buy them you know they're you know i guess i i definitely don't feel like i'm a i, I don't feel like i'm an e-commerce site right like i don't feel like i'm a cabela's obviously like i work out of my basement here and you know i still feel like you're 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 supporting small whether it's local or not i guess is uh, up to where you live but you're still supporting a small a small business when you order from us. And I think people, you know, kind of hopefully appreciate that. And uh, I think it's important to recognize that there's so many anglers out there that don't live in close proximity to a fly shop, right? Where they can't just pop down to the local shop and grab a couple of flies or, you know, a dozen flies or whatever they need of their materials. So even though a lot of folks are buying stuff online, they're still trying to buy it from, you know, a smaller shop or somebody local like yourself. Although that e-commerce transaction is happening, you know, they're still buying from a small business that's trying to do things the right way. It's not some giant conglomerate uh, yeah. in, in that direction. What have been some of the surprises that have been kind of on the business side of things? Uh, did you come from kind of a business background where either of your parents kind of in that side of things in the retail industry or have you just kind of had to try and figure this all out as you go? 
not they neither of them were in retail, but definitely, you know, they I was pretty entrepreneurial even when I was in like like high school. I started making extra money by going to auctions or not auctions, uh garage sales and buying stuff and selling it on Craigslist that I thought was worth more money and started eBay. I had like a little eBay thing going for a while doing that same stuff and it's kind of all I've been buying and selling cars for a long time as well. So oh, I, really? I don't know, it's kind of yeah. So I was pretty entrepreneurial with that kind of stuff. And uh, did you have a lane of cars that you you kind of lived in, or was it just like you saw value and you went for it? I was in the car business yeah, for a couple uh, of years, so I'm always yeah, interested when in people are in there. Yeah, uh, so I, I was too. I was a car salesman for years. Um, oh, were you really? Yeah. So I uh, I am a Land Rover nerd. I yeah. like the old the old Land Rovers. I've bought and sold like I think I've owned like 30 35 of them over the past few years no way yeah so I'll I kind of got on those things my dad and I did and I started buying and selling them flipping them and fixing them up doing some work to them myself and selling them so that's kind of how the whole like Azuzu Trooper thing came about and some of our other projects I've, I've always been kind of buying and flipping cars so um, so, so the Azuzu project I think is is in an interesting idea, and, and I'll, I'll use an analogy. There's a huge law firm in St. Louis uh, called Brown and Crouppen, and their their most recent advertising campaign is that the owners of the, the firm basically go out and review sandwiches in St. Louis, right? And it has absolutely nothing to do with the practice of law, how good they are in the courtroom, <laughs> what they know about the code, any of that. And I think what it's basically proving is like attention is attention. And if you can get eyeballs on you and they know what you do and who you are when it comes time to make a purchase, they're going to be more likely to at least put you in the list of people that they think about. Right. And I think for you and for, you know, for Steve and for the company, uh, just being in front of us as customers, whether it's the Isuzu project, whether it's being at a beer, you know, festival and tasting some beers with people or whether it's, you know, fly fishing and fly related stuff, just being in front of your customer base and reminding us that you as individuals, but also as a company are still out there goes a long way when it comes to advertising dollars, right? Sure. I mean, I'm a marketing yeah. guy by background. So this is kind of where I live from a day-to-day perspective. So I'm just always interested. That's kind of one of the things that that drew me, you know, to this interview is not only do you have like this really interesting background and life in the outdoors, but obviously you've kind of parlayed that into making a living at it. Uh, how much is, how difficult is it to decide how much time you're going to go out, spend doing R and D and fishing, right. Versus like tying, doing orders, coming up with ways to engage your audience and all that kind of stuff. Like, how do you prioritize where you spend your time? Yeah. You know, it's, it, that's a really hard one that, that I've had to deal with over the past few years that I, I mean, I spend so many more days in front of a computer running a business than I do getting to fish and doing fun stuff. And then even when I do get to go fish, it pretty much needs to be for con- I, I have to have a reason. It's not like, Oh, I'm going fishing today. It's like, I, I get a few of those days a year now. It's always like, okay, what are we doing today? Well, you know, it, it only took, it didn't take a long for me doing this full time to be like, all right, this is not, this is a job I have to, I'm not going fishing for fun today. I have to go out here. I'm going to this river to shoot this fly, to get this content, to build this advertisement, whatever it is that we're doing. So, um, 
yeah, it's that that's kind of a hard thing. I'll tell you one of the hardest parts of like that I've found getting, you know, kind of going from a, a job where I was, you know, either working, I worked in a fly shop, I sold cars, whatever I was doing, I was going to work is that now, and I was working for someone else is that now I am, you know, I'm self-employed, but it's really, I never put work down. Like I can't step away from it Um, because it lives in my basement. You know, I'm on my work computer here in my basement. I've got, you know, every, you know, my cell phone is who I, how I talk to everyone. I never put work down, which is, which has been the toughest part because even, even, you know, the, car business is awful and terrible. And if you're in it, I'm extremely sorry. You should leave that immediately. But it, uh, it could not definitely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it definitely was like, okay. Uh, even still, if I was working in cars, generally, if I wasn't at work, people didn't need me. And now it's like, I, you know, it, I wake up at 3 a.m., and I can't go back to sleep because I'll have some idea that I start thinking about and I'll be downstairs on my computer at, you know, three 30 doing stuff and not going to sleep. <laughs> so it's uh yeah, it's, that's been the, that's kind of been the weird part for me with business wise kind of coming into self-employment. So one of the things that I think is really unique about the business world today, and especially with someone that has as public of a persona, right? I mean, you're, it's weird to say, and I would imagine you've probably grappled with this, but like you're nationally famous amongst fly fishermen. Like that's pretty cool, <laughs> right? Like you're one of those people when fly anglers get together, wherever we are in the country, if you said Adam from Blue Line, everybody would be like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Uh, and that, that's got to be kind of a cool thing, right? I, from someone that like at eight years old was just figuring it out to being someone that's like known in the industry. Uh, um, you know, how much do you feel the pull of like you're a public persona? People want to talk to you. People want to, you know, uh, communicate with you about either the company or being on YouTube or those kinds of things. You know, how do you do you balance that? I mean, does it does it, does that ever feel overwhelming or has it gotten to that point yet where there's just so much coming at you? Because, I mean, I know I get like three, three comments and I'm like, oh, my God, there's a lot. <laughs> so I can't imagine um, what it's like to be like you. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it was super weird for the first little bit. The first time, like, someone recognized me, like, just some person recognized me, I, I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Please, please never again. Don't. This is don't. <laughs> yeah, it's um, weird. It took it took it took like a year probably of of that to where I'm like, OK, this isn't weird anymore. It, it's OK. You know, this. I know how to handle it or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure that first dude who recognized me walked away like, wow, that guy is weird. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it, you know, it, it can be, it definitely does get overwhelming the stuff on, you know, on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. Generally, I feel like people are pretty supportive. I mean, we don't get too many mean <laughs> comments, mean spirited comments. Even if we do, I generally think they're pretty funny because <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I definitely laugh at myself a lot. I don't take anything seriously. If you've watched a lot of our stuff, you've probably seen that. Um, but you know, it's, it's, that's definitely been a really weird one. Even if you, if you told me that long ago that like people would know who I was because I fly fished, like I wouldn't have believed it. I still probably wouldn't have believed it five years ago. Um, not that I think our rise has been that like just, super, super huge and fast. And now all of a sudden we're some big famous company or whatever, but I think, uh, you know, we're, we're steadily climbing and 
hopefully we, you know, hopefully we keep going and have some more, have some more success with, you know, kind of where, where we've keep doing what, what we've been doing and keep having the successes we're having. So. I would imagine that it is, you know, one of the things that I think is, is, I don't know, I don't want to use the word unique, but like definitely evolving in business is the ability for customers to be able to communicate with the business, right? So I would imagine yeah. that, that social media has really created a feedback loop for you to, to kind of know from people that are buying flies from you, hey, this stuff's really working or this stuff maybe wasn't productive for us, or maybe I'm doing this wrong. You know, tell me a little bit about some of the communication that you've had with customers and how that's helped you grow the business. Yeah, I mean, Instagram, uh, you know, Instagram was around when we started or it was pretty new, right? When we started uh, Blue Line, we had an Instagram for a little bit and we really didn't do a lot with it. I'm truthfully, I'm like the worst person with tech that is my age. There's no one who's worse than I am. And I was like, this is stupid. This is Facebook, but with pictures, why do we need this? This is dumb. And I didn't really do anything with it, but obviously that changed. And I was like, well, shit, we gotta, we gotta start doing Instagram. Uh, but you, you are exactly right. It is that direct link to our customers. And I mean, we get blown up on Instagram. Not that that's a bad thing, guys, but we get blown up on Instagram with questions, which I like to see because like you alluded to earlier, a lot of people don't have a local fly shop. A lot of people don't have, you know, they don't live in Bozeman, right? There's only like eight people that live in Bozeman. There's a lot, there's like 800 million now, but <laughs> there's like, you know, there's just not that much good fly fishing information out there. And I feel like I have a different outlook on fly fishing than a lot of other folks do. And because of that, I do think people reach out to me specifically. And it is a little, it has been a little weird, like talking to uh, some potential like sponsors and things like that of our videos. Like, I don't feel like a lot of people reach out to me as blue line, right. And say like, Hey, what is your favorite? So-and-so I do really feel that personal connection to a lot of our customers where they're reaching out to Adam. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, obviously like if you called say in no way am I like this, but say you called Apple and you're like, Hey, Apple, what's the best iPhone? What's what phone should I buy? You know? Okay. Well, you're, they're going to tell you to buy the iPhone. But like, if you reach out to me and you say, Hey, what's the best rod? I don't feel like you're reaching out to blue line as much as you're asking like, Hey, Adam, I kind of know who you are. I want to know what the best rod is. And so that has been, that's been a weird one for me. Oh, here, let me fix this. No, that's, that's an interesting distinction for sure. Um, yeah, that's been a, that's been a weird one for, for me to kind of go through and figure, kind of figure out is, as like, not as a public eye, but like, how do I retain true to myself and also tell folks, you know, how to, how to do this stuff. Um, but definitely like a lot, a lot of Instagram messages. We love getting those. We try to respond to as many as we can. Um, definitely like anyone that sends me a message that's very, like, how do I catch fish? Like, yeah, that, that guy maybe didn't put in enough effort into that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, you know, if I, if I, if we get an Instagram message that you can tell someone's like, I, I don't respond to uh, like another, a really good example. I don't respond to that many that are like, Hey, how do I tie this fly? But if you send something like, Hey, I'm, this obviously shows like, okay, I'm trying to figure this fly out. Like I've tried, I've given it a shot here. I can't figure out this one little step. This piece like, or, is rotating around the hook on me or I'm yeah, having a hard like time that. palmering this or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You're like, okay, great. I will, I'm going to dedicate 
and all, all that kind of stuff comes like direct from me. Um, I spend a lot of time on Instagram answering, answering messages and stuff and answering, you know, what line do I buy? What rod is the best rod for this application? What, you know, what is this and that? And, uh, you know, we certainly try to give pretty fair advice, but also open advice. Cause I've fished every rod brand, real line, I mean, fish probably every piece of gear that anyone's asking about, not just seeing in a fly shop. I've been on the water with it and I do, I definitely answer a lot of those questions pretty honestly. So there, it's, it's uh, an interesting yeah. change, I think, where there are a whole group and, you know, I mean, w- because we live in an RV, we're in a number of different like RV forums online for, you know, full-time RVers and for, we live in a, a RV called a Fleetwood Bounder. And so we're in different Fleetwood Bounder owners groups. And sometimes I'm fascinated when people come online asking, you know, how to do something when Google would answer it in about 12 seconds and they're willing to wait for other people to respond versus having the information right now because their preferred method of learning is to talk with other people. Yeah. And because we have that access now, those folks just feel like, well, I'm just going to just put the burden on everybody else to answer every question I've got. Yeah. And yeah. I can't tell. I mean, we've got YouTube videos on like the renovation of our RV and I literally tell people what kind of paint it is that we use to paint the RV. And then like every 10 days I get a question like, Hey, what paint did you use? Yeah. And I'm like, cool. It's in the video. It's in the description. And then there's about seven other answers to this question also in the description, you clearly didn't right, read right. any of, uh, right. but, but that's just how their brain works, right? Like that's just how they, sure. they got up that day and we're like, Hey, this guy's talking to me. I'm going to talk back and see if he'll answer. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. totally cool. Uh, when you think about kind of the future of the company and I got a couple more questions about the business and then we'll kind of talk about a couple things and wrap up. But, uh, when it comes to the future of the business, where do you kind of eventually want to see this go? Is this like a 30 year operating business where you're just going to continue to crush along and grow the company? Is this something that you're trying to sell down the road or, you know, or are you just kind of like, Hey, I'm taking it year by year and we're having fun and we're going fishing and we're, we're selling flies. That's cool too. As much as I'd like to answer one of the other ones, it's probably that last one. Um, it's no, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely been great. I mean, I didn't expect, certainly I didn't expect to quit my day job to start doing this. Um, you know, in the next few years, we're hoping to get Hobo Steve to quit his day job to start doing this as well. We currently have one employee, um, you know, and now it's that's kind of a whole different level of weight on my shoulders. I, we freaking love her. She's a godsend that we couldn't do what we're doing right now. And we couldn't have the success without her. But we're hiring a couple more employees. We're getting some more people on. And so it's almost like oh God, like when it was just me and Steven, it was like, "Ah, I don't know if this folds tomorrow, I can go back to selling cars, I guess, you know, but now it's like, oh God, now I got other people to worry about and, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, I, I definitely want to keep growing it. I mean, that's certainly been in our mind is like, I mean, in, in all truthfulness, we, we want to keep growing. We want to keep producing flies. We don't, we're not going to keep quit fishing. Um, and we can make some really cool fly patterns. We've got plenty of other fly patterns that we haven't been able to bring out because, you know, due to funding, you know, it's uh, our biggest issue has been inventory. COVID didn't help us at all with that. Of course, you know, everyone else says that, but it was true. With, it was very true with us. Um, and the m- money has been our biggest setback 
to the fact where we couldn't, we can't go order every fly in the world. We can't go order as much as we can sell because we're just limited to the funds that we have cash coming flow. in. So it's all been a cash flow issue with us, uh, which I know there's a, t- I mean, you hear me kind of sitting here griping about it, but like there's, there's a bazillion companies that probably kill for that same, that would kill for that problem, right? Like it, I've never had a problem getting rid of flies. I have a problem getting the flies in to get rid yeah. of. So, I mean, again, there's a bazillion companies who, you know, would slap me right now for saying that that's my problem, but uh, I want to keep going. Eventually I'm going to hit that spot where it's like, all right, I've got enough flies and now I need, uh, now I'm having trouble getting rid of this many flies. Where is that? Oh, there's my dog. Where is that? Like, line for us is it yeah you know I, I we haven't hit it yet and i until i hit that mark i really don't know what what how big or can we get or how you know is it maybe we tap out right around three employees and that's fine maybe we can eventually have 50 who knows we'll kind of have to see where that market you know finally hits that that different point of like okay we are now getting in as much as we can get rid of now, like, let's really start gearing up on this other stuff because it is interesting. Like I've had, you know, a lot of other people who are much more business minded and, you know, MBAs and all, you know, marketing and advertising backgrounds asking me questions about like selling stuff. And I'm like, we've never done that because I haven't ever had enough inventory to where I could even to pursue do more channels, other right. ways to get rid like, of the inventory because we can't get enough as it is. Right. So that that's of, essentially where we've where we've wound up. Yeah, that kind of kind of brings me to the next question: Is have there been anybody, or has there been anybody along the way, either from a fly fishing perspective or or from a business perspective, that you felt like has either given you really good advice or kind of served as a mentor and helped the business along the way? Um, you know, I know in my professional career, I can kind of pick out a handful of people that have either given me some really good advice or kind of helped me in some way, made an introduction, something like that. Has, has anybody kind of stood out to you along the way from that perspective? I wouldn't say there's like one person. I mean, I think it's just everyone that I've ended up meeting through doing this and, you know, continuing to be really when I got kind of both feet in and said, okay, I'm doing blue line full time. We obviously were, you know, kind of starting to climb, but everyone that I've met from there and I I mean, everyone that I've met in the community, I feel like has been just as helpful as everybody else with, you know, it's such a small business that fly fishing is in. It's like, okay, well, oh, you need to know this person and here's this guy and, you know, whatever. So there's no one person that has helped us like just the entire community has helped us get to where we are. Yeah, I think, you know, from from the outside, although fly fishing is a pretty niche sport or activity or hobby or whatever you want to call it. it can at times feel like it's a much bigger industry than it really is. And if you go look at, you know, videos on the Sage factory or Tom, you know, uh, the Scott factory or any of these, they're not big places. They don't have thousands of employees. It's not a ton of automated, you know, robots. It's like people hand doing stuff. And when you get a little bit of that information, you start to realize, Oh, it's not, you know, like when I send my fly route in to get it warranted, it's not this, there's probably like one guy and his name's Carl and he's been doing it for, 40 years. You know what I mean? Old Carl. Old Carl, right? You know what I mean? And good old Carl is reliable as hell, but he's not quite (laughs) as quick as he used to be. 
And yep. that's cool. And like, he's part of the fabric of the, the building and the company. And that's just what makes it special. Yep. But I think for a lot of us from the outside, it looks like it's a much bigger machine than it is. Right. And it's yeah, got I companies definitely like Sims that. and Patagonia tied to it. So you think it's this huge thing, but it's, it's really small. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It has been really interesting getting in. It's like you meet one person and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, the, you're like drawing the lines out. You're like, this community is only this big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the people that the people that are in it that do stuff and, yeah, you know, it's, know. It, which is which is really cool because you can know a lot of like you can almost know the entire industry if you really get into it and start doing a lot of, you know, industry stuff. But. I don't know. Fly fly industry is pretty weird and I wouldn't really recommend people get into it. But if you if you wind up there, great. <laughs> have there been any uh, kind of big wins? I mean, you know, I've seen that you guys have gone to some of the shows and done some of the kind of the, the bigger events and things like that. Have those proved to be useful for you, whether it be building relationships or learning or interacting with your customers? How have those kind of experiences gone for you so far? Yeah. Yeah. Getting into F3T was one of our biggest ones. The fly fishing film tour. We put a film in there and, uh, got accepted. And, uh, then we went on tour with that. That was a ton of fun. Love doing that. And I think what's, what's interesting kind of taking one step back is that you're from what we do. I don't have a lot of in-person experience or, you know, interactions anymore. It's a lot of that Instagram stuff. It's a lot of emails and comments on YouTube or whatever. And, uh, which is, which obviously is great, but it's weird because I came from a retail background in both fly shops or cars or whatever, where I'm talking to people all day, every day. And instead of just texting on Instagram or DMing people all day, every day. And, yeah, uh, it's different. definitely interesting being able to like putting out this YouTube content because it's pretty funny that like, I think this is going to be funny, but who the hell knows how you're going to think it Are you going to think it's funny? I don't know. Um, I think this is really funny. So here yeah. you go, YouTube. And, yeah. you know, and obviously uh, again, a lot of our, our experiences have been, you know, positive with that, but um, it's really cool going to the F3T and hearing people laugh at the stuff that I thought was funny. So I put it in the film and, they laughed at it. So very different than, you know, me pushing something out into the internet and seeing if people react or not. Um, yeah, the F3T, I feel like was a huge win for us and, uh, kind of shows that, yeah, we, we take, we're very lighthearted. We don't take things very seriously at all. I take like, if you get, a, if you send me an order, I take that very seriously, but I don't take, you know, a lot of the other fly fishing stuff, super serious. Um, especially comparatively to some other, other, you know, kind of what the industry standard would be. But, uh, it was really cool being able to like see people in person, meet people in person and having those personal connections with like, Oh, Hey, I really like your YouTube because of this. And super cool. When people say like, they liked some video that wasn't super popular or yeah. they liked brought up some little piece of really minute thing in a video that I thought was funny, but, you know, how do you know if you, no one ever makes a specific comment about one little minute thing in a video, but people see you in person, like, Oh, that one part of that video is like hilarious to me. And you're like, Oh, yeah. that's, that's really cool to really cool to see. Yeah. I was, I was at our fly shop just randomly. So I, I traveled back to St. Louis, like, I don't know, maybe every two or three months and for work. And I was in the fly shop, hanging out, visiting the guys and, and, uh, dude was making a purchase at the front desk and the general manager turns and goes, 
that's the dude right there. And the guy turns around and goes, you're outdoors podcast. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I'm buying this fly rod because I saw this shop on your channel. And he goes, I'm from Wisconsin. I was working in Kansas city. I drove through St. Louis on the way home specifically because you said this was a good place and I was going to buy a fly rod somewhere and there wasn't somewhere close to me. So I figured it might as well make a trip. And it like, yep. I mean, the, the warmth of just good <laughs> vibes and feelings that came up from that oh, little yeah. tiny interaction of someone saying like, Hey man, you said something that connected with me and gave me the motivation to go do like, it was yeah. everything yeah. in my world. I walked out of there just like, Oh, I'm the fucking greatest day ever. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and it, it's, I, to, to what you said, Adam, I mean, I've had an overwhelmingly positive experience on social media and I think one of the interesting things when you create an account that's not you, right? Like if it's an interest-based account and you draw people in that really care about their, in, you know, the interest, then you can really find that common ground and ignore all the other bullshit that, you know, may keep us from being friends. Yeah. Um, I find my, my outdoors podcast channel is a way more positive, way more fun place to hang out than like my personal channel, right? Where it's like all the people that I've known forever because they're all yeah. fighting with each other about random yeah. crap where everybody on my outdoors podcast channel is like, we're going backpacking and fly fishing and having a great time. And we're watching sunsets yeah. and drinking coffee. So it's, I think it can be a really, really great place. And and I've gotten to meet a lot of really amazing people like Purist and James from about trout and some other really incredible people around the country that, you know, when, my wife and I were in Colorado two summers ago. We went fishing with James on the San Juan, had an absolute blast, caught my personal best fish. I mean, you know, I would have never met James if I didn't have this channel, like if I didn't sure. have this, this outlet to be able to talk to people and build relationships. So it's really, really cool. Uh, want to shift and talk just briefly about the Isuzu and some of your plans coming up because that's kind of an interest of mine. I spend, I cannot tell you how many hours trolling on YouTube, looking at Alucab campers and really cool off-road vehicles and all the accessories and places that you can go and the adventures. Sure. So what do you kind of see upcoming for the Isuzu and that part of your channel and kind of the adventures that you want to do there what what stuff can we can we hope to see coming up yeah we started it is like i wanted it to definitely be budget build uh quotes as like it's budget like it's a an eighth a tenth a twelfth of the price of a new tacoma but yet i'm in the same place that you are with your new tacoma but budget also to the sense like i want to spend the money where it's where it's due like we bought the cheapest lights on Amazon. I didn't buy the most expensive LED, whatever another, because I feel like they do. I'm going to get crucified on your podcast or whatever, but they do just fine. I can yeah. see. Great. Awesome. But I spent the money on the suspension and the tires, like the BFG tires that we put on and the suspension that we did because that stuff matters. So it's budget in the sense, like let's spend the money where it needs to be spent. Um, and, now I can go cool places with a truck that was a, you know, an eighth of what you spent on your truck when I see some other dude there. Yeah. So I, that's kind of the, that was kind of the basis behind it um, as to why we started it. And we kind we kind of plan to continue that budget for as long as it goes on, which truthfully, I feel like we, we have two more episodes, big, big episodes planned with it. Um, and I fear, unfortunately, that it's going to turn into, okay, well, we kind of ran out of cool stuff to keep doing with the Azuzu. I plan, because I'm 
kind of a, a admittedly gearhead and you know closet from fly fishing i want to turbo diesel it so bad that i can't stand it um That'd be and fun. so i've been talking to some folks if anyone on here is listening to this and you know uh engine swap shop something i want to trade some media some fly fishing some gear whatever plus some money to help work on getting a uh a turbo diesel in the truck that is kind of sort of tentative we'll see how the sponsors and everything goes with it planned uh especially if i can find someone who will who will kind of help me with it and not just take it to you know, a diesel, diesel mechanic say, Hey, put this in there. Cause I can't afford that. Yeah. But, uh, if I can find someone to help me with it, you'll see a turbo diesel build this winter. And then next year, I kind of want it to turn from, well, now we love the Isuzu. Let's see what it can really do. Yeah. And, and kind of continue pushing the limits of like some off-road trails, like let's get way back in the middle of freaking nowhere with it. And yeah, go down into Moab and really get after it and find some, some serious trails. Yeah. Some serious trails, but then also like more so uh, not as much like the super duper hardcore. I definitely want to do that with it, but also like, let's take it to like the most remote, river that we can find let's yeah. take it let's drive it because currently i don't know if it would make it to canada from my house but let's get it reliable enough to drive up to canada and go bull trout fishing with it or let's yeah. drive it to florida and go do whatever so i i, I want to kind of get it geared up and and kind of keep repairing it and upgrading it to where it's like all right i'm hopping this thing turn the key and i can go anywhere that a truck can go with this truck yeah, yeah. and go fish. I'll so. say that one of the things that I would say that I've gotten out of our RV project and having, I mean, our RV is 30 years old when we bought, well, when we acquired it from some friends of ours, it was basically gutted with water damage and it had issues in some of the, the mechanicals. Uh, and we've had to do all kinds of stuff to it. Our brake master cylinder went out while I was driving one time. I mean, it's just, you know, it's been a, a cluster, uh, it's worth all of the headaches to have a project. If you don't have the money to have something expensive, the headaches are worth having a, a rat hole, a, a piece of shit. It's totally worth it. And even if it's not as fancy or nice, if it's rattling, if it's get dust, dust in it when your other friends' cars don't, who cares? Like have a fun project, have an RV, a car, a teardrop trailer, something that you're working on because it'll all contribute to skills that you get down the road. I mean, our Jeep's sitting sure. in pieces outside the RV right now because basically just to save money, I decided to have a problem diagnosed but I'm doing all the repairs myself. I got sure. into the car with the mechanic and said, can you show me what stuff I have to yank out of here and what I have to put back? Yeah, I'm going to give it a go. And, you know, so far it's working out well. And it's certainly been worth the time. And it's been a ton of fun working on both the Jeep and the RV. We're really proud of our RV. Uh, it's a super comfortable place. And, you know, for under $10,000, we've traveled the country and we've crossed the Rockies. We've crossed the Cascades. We've, you know, yeah. I mean, we've really gone for it and boondocked in some really remote places and some really incredible landscapes in a piece of shit old RV that, you know, most people would never do what we're doing. In. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just put in the time and it's super fun. Uh, are there any destinations specifically outside of like Canada or anything? Are there any kind of uh, areas in the United States that are really interesting to you as far as that kind of travel? The the next we we kind of have the next four films planned out and they're oh, cool. all they're all trout based um, because kind of the other point of the Isuzu film was like, let's find let's use this thing to go find native 
cutthroat bull trout as well as kind of on that list but uh let's go find native cutthroat and so they're the the trip there's nothing like one that i'm going to point to and be like yeah we're, we're going here but uh the next four trips we we do will be you know finding native cutthroat gotcha gotcha so. and and we'll kind of wind up on this adam this was one of the questions that my buddies in the in the jeffersons had is i would imagine as you guys have gotten more and more popular online you know through blue line uh I would imagine that there are people, guides, lodges, destinations that are reaching out and saying, hey, we would really love for you to come fish here, highlight the area, work with our guides. How do you make those decisions of the places that you're going to go, the destinations that you're going to go make content? Because I would imagine you've got a pretty cool menu of places to choose from these days. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the goal for all of us that are on this creative thing, right? We want to be invited to more stuff and have more opportunities to go see the world. Yeah. Uh, how do you make those decisions? I guess I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's getting to the fact like these days it, it kind of, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little upsetting. It, it just kind of is what it is. A lot of it's business decision at this point, like my personal interest weighs in uh, and, it's almost to the fact nowadays, because I told you earlier, it's like I, all I, I, I work, right? Like I work in fly fishing. Oh, that's super cool. But it's work. Yeah. And I do a lot more work than a lot of people think I do, I guess. But not not my wife. She <laughs> she, she doesn't think goes. I work at all. Um, but no, I do a lot more work than, you know, what you would imagine is like fly fishing is. So it's almost like my personal stuff nowadays, I, I'm just going to pay to go do it. I don't, I don't want, I don't need to get comp to go fish, whatever, not being like, you know, I'm not no, like, it's cool. on my high horse or whatever, but like, if I'm going to go tarpon fish, let's go tarpon fish. I don't care about, I just want to go tarpon fishing. Let's go. Or, you know, let's, if I'm, if I want to go catch, you know, permit, let's go do that. If I yeah. want to go bull trout fish, let's go do it. But more so the actual like content and stuff is, is just more business business related these days, where am I going to find sponsor money? Who's going to pay for it? Is the lodge, is the lodge just comping me or am I getting paid to do advertisement? Who are the sponsors? Who is this going to fit with? If I go, what products am I going to be able to bring and shoot and showcase? How does that fit in with my other sponsor list? I mean, it's, it's a huge maze. It's not, you know, just blanket shootout. A, you know, a ton of emails these days. And say, oh, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. I'm going here and here and here and here and here. You know, it's like, we have to really kind of curate like, okay, here's the year. Here's what we're doing. Here's the shoots. Here's the sponsor list. That's going to be able to make the most sense for all of these things. Where are we going to go shoot it? And if we go to a lodge, you know, what is that going to look like? Is the, is the lodge paying for it? Do, how much time do they want back? And so now, so it's much more of a business decision where I'm looking at, okay, travel costs this, my videographer costs this, my editing is going to cost this per day, you know, and then I'm saying, okay, this sponsor might give me this much. This sponsor may do this. Is the lodge chipping in or is it how just comp figure and, this all out? Yeah. And you kind of sit there and figure out like, okay, can I figure out how to make this green or, red and if it is red which most of it is because we fly fish and there's no money in any of this right i'm just trying to cover cover expenses because the green is going to come off of selling some blue line flies to right flies to folks so even if it's in the red okay great what's the content going to get me is it going to get me followers and subs and whatever like let's so it's just a big balancing game of figuring out okay where where is this going to match and then if i want to go do it i just go do it 
Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so and then that's kind of where it got these days. We'll, we'll kind of finish on a little bit lighter topic. Uh, last question for you, Adam. And I, God, you've just been fantastic, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show and I hope down the road you'll, you'll want to do it again. But, uh, it seems like one of the through lines in what we see a lot of you do online is you seem to like really enjoy cooking, uh, <laughs> and cooking for other people and have that yeah. be a part of the experience. Right. And so one of the guys that I've had on the podcast was a classically trained chef that's completely changed his career to basically doing backcountry meals. So he does a oh, lot of like cool. backcountry yeah. or, you know, backpack cooking, outdoor cooking, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, Chef Corso, shout out, buddy. Um, and it seems like that's just something that you really, really enjoy doing is not only cooking for people, but, you know, just cooking in general. Where did yeah. that come from? And, and where do you uh, look for inspiration when it comes to cooking? Sure. Uh, I guess it just came from being fat. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I, I've always said there's there's only two things you can control when you go on a fishing trip. You can control like how cold the beer is and how good the food is. That oh, really good. that's it. Everything else is up to chance, right? Whether the fish eat or whatever. So I don't know. That's a shirt. I just I started. <laughs> you don't have started, that shirt for Blue Line. That's a shirt. Yeah, right that there. needs to be a shirt. Yeah, that um, needs to mark that on the merch list. <laughs> um, but. I just, uh, I started cooking when I was young. I, I like it. I, it's just something I enjoy, I guess, doing. And, uh, I can, I just feel like I can cook a lot better than what you could go buy at the store or what a lot of restaurants could do if you were out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I just, I just enjoy food and eating and, and I enjoy drinking. So I like having good cocktails and having, having a couple beers on the river, having some Hudson Margs or whatever, whatever we're doing. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just like, I guess I like entertaining and entertaining folks and it just kind of goes with it, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm big on the the complete day, right? And it's a lot more than going out and just the fishing part. It's what can we do to make the trip there fun, whether it's music in the car yep. or having some fun shit to talk about. It's a shot of whiskey before we hit the water, whether it's, you know, fireball or 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 uh what's the peanut butter whiskey, whatever that is. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, screwball. Yeah, screwball, screwball right? That's yeah. a great opening <laughs> opening shot. Yep. Uh and then what can we do like throughout the day that if the fishing's not great, or if the weather conditions aren't fantastic, what can we do to just still make it an awesome day out on the water? Sure. Just, you know, whether it's exploring the the area, making a video or whatever it is. So, yeah, no, I've, you know, I've it, always it appreciated kinda, that about you. Yeah. Well, it kind of depends on your friends too. I mean, I've, I've, I've got fishing friends. It's like, nope, we're not eating. Have a seat. We're yeah. fishing all day. Granola okay. bars. We're going sure. hardcore. Yep. Great. <laughs> I've also had, you know, th plenty of other days where it's like, all right, we're making tacos and we're bringing a grill or we're, you know, doing whatever while we're out here. So yeah, it just kind of depends. I don't know. It's, it's always, it's kind of a, a bummer to me to wrap up the end of a, end of a good fishing day to go back to your truck and sit on the tailgate and eat a cliff bar. God, just doesn't I, I had seem a really like good day. doing it justice, does it? Yeah. Had a really good day. Caught my personal best cutthroat. Woo. Uh, here's a cliff bar to celebrate. You're like, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, you know, so, some people that's totally fine, but I, I, I don't know. I'd rather spend the, I'd rather just spend the money and have something cool and spend the time to go do it. You know, if you're out there doing, doing stuff you enjoy, I like cooking. I like fishing. Why not just do both of them while you're out? Put the two together, put a red beer in there and just call it a great day on the water. Yep. So yep. Adam, I want to give you an opportunity to share anything, kind of final thoughts or, or anything you want to draw attention to, uh, you know, anything on the website or anything that you guys have coming up from Blue Line that you want people to know about. Here's your opportunity before we uh, call it a day. Cool. 
well, I guess if you're watching this in 2023, go go see a F3T tour because we've got our F3T film in it. That's uh, a ton of fun. It's our first you know film tour submission, and we got in. So go see that if you can't. If you can't make one, make sure you uh, hop over to the Blue Line YouTube channel. Uh, it'll be on there a little bit later this year. Also with these Zuzu films we talked about. Um, actually, later this week, I'm revamping my website. And uh, we're going to start carrying gear on our site. So if because I get so many questions about people asking about gear. So uh, if you are interested in uh, in getting anything, we're kind of slowly starting, but I've got uh, I'm going to start carrying all the fly lines we use because that's our number one question. I'm just kind of going down the hit list as we get the funding to do it. Uh, So if you need any gear hit us up on Instagram or uh, head over to the, by the time you're watching this, my new website will be out with some gear on it. Uh, if you don't see what you want, hit us up. Cause we're probably going to be ordering it. We could order it for you direct. Uh, we're going to start doing a lot more like custom orders on that kind of stuff and building combos for people like specifically saying like, awesome. Hey, I small mouth fish in Oklahoma. What do I need to buy? That literally just happened. And I ordered the guy, all the stuff. So uh, we're going to start doing that. Uh, so, just kind of going back to that, like we're trying to be an online fly shop, not a big e-commerce site. I'm trying to be a fly shop who just happens to sell you stuff online. Um, so anyways, keep, keep an eye out for that. Go follow us on YouTube. We've got some really cool stuff planned for this year and buy some blue line flies, I guess. Cause yeah, I'll put like the them. links <laughs> down in the description for everything, everywhere that this is listed, but Adam, what's the website and what's the, uh, what's the Instagram handle? Uh, Instagram is blue line co underscore. The website is blue line flies.com. Very cool. Well, Adam, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Awesome to get to know you better. Super fun. And hopefully we get to do it again sometime. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Reach out to me again. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it again in the near future.